Welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast as we continue the conversation of state-owned entities. Today, my guest is Dr. Musong Kodi. Musong is a researcher and a consultant and works on governance and anti-corruption in Africa, including in the natural resource sector. Musong is from the DRC and has a passion for natural resources and the contribution that natural resources can and should make as long as there is good governance. He's former associate fellow at Chatham House in the UK, current member of the International Academy Advisory Board of the International Anti-Corruption Academy. He formerly held senior management positions at Transparency International and Amnesty International. But more than that, I count Musong as one of my dearest friends. Musong, welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. Thank you for having me, Sheila. So I thought uh, in this conversation, we would focus very much on what we know about state-owned entities in mining, but using largely uh, the state-owned entity in the DRC. Let me just ask a question first. Should state-owned entities like the one in your country be held to the same environmental standards and governance standards as other companies, or should they be treated differently? My personal conviction is that uh, they should be held to the same environmental standards as other mining companies. Uh, This is not only a conviction on my part, but it's also a requirement of the uh, 2018 mining code and the mining regulations of the DRC. I wonder whether we could go back to those requirements. Could you succinctly tell us what those requirements are? And then maybe we can look at how well we are doing or not doing in that space. Uh, The uh, mining companies in the DRC are required to uh, operate uh, upholding uh, international environmental standards. They have to uh, look after uh, the environment where they uh, work and make sure that they don't pollute the air, the water, the soil uh, in the area where they operate and look after the well-being of the people who live in the communities around the operations. So uh, I sort of think that uh, state-owned entities are, for all intents and purposes, first among equals, which is to say, not only must they meet standards, but they ought to set an example. Uh, Am I correct in uh, assuming that in a way to the degree that state-owned entities do not abide by this, in effect, they might have the unintended consequence of encouraging others to ignore the law? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, In the case of the DRC, it's so important because uh, Jekamin, which is the uh, 
state-owned enterprise in the uh, copper and uh, cobalt uh, sectors is in joint ventures with uh, 30 or more uh, international miners. And uh, as such, they have to serve an example to the others and uh, keep reminding them of the requirements of uh, the legal and uh, regulatory uh, mechanisms in the country. They really have a big role to play here. So put another way, in these partnerships uh, that uh, Shagamin has with uh, private entities, what you're saying is if uh, the other shareholder in its own operations does not abide by the law, it's kind of difficult for that same shareholder to then look at the other entities, the 30 and say, you must apply by the law. And, and so to, to that extent, what do we know about Shagamin's performance in these areas? The leadership, you know, how well do they portray that leadership and how well do they respect these values of being exemplary? Yeah, Jacobin is in uh, joint ventures, but it has also its own operations in which it, it works uh, independently of other uh, operators. Uh, the record, I'm afraid, has not been glossy. Uh, there have been accusations of uh, environmental uh, damages in many of its operations. And also uh, in the joint ventures that uh, Jacamin holds with uh, other companies, uh, the environment has been uh, significantly damaged. So, <clears throat> so I mean, um, there's a bit of a problem here because of course, in the case of uh, wholly owned operations of Sheikh Amin, there the state is both the investor and the regulator responsible for the corporate entity to comply with the laws of the state. Uh, I see a contradiction here. I mean, how well can we assume that the state can regulate itself? Because that's what we are asking here, isn't it? I mean, how objectively can the state be expected to oversee and uh, uh, make sure that its own entities are compliant? Uh, it's uh, really difficult because there's an obvious uh, conflict of interest here. Uh, the state uh, cannot, would not have the moral high ground or the credibility to impose on other mining companies what its own state-owned enterprise doesn't do. So this is really uh, a, a difficult area. The, uh, especially in an environment where the uh, enabling uh, institutions do not perform to uh, the level that one ex would expect them. The regulatory and uh, uh, 
political policy institutions in the DRC have not been performing uh, as one would expect them uh, for quite a long time. So for them to uh, impose whatever rules to the others, it's uh, very difficult and uh, it would not be credible. So could you break that down a little for us? When you say that certain regulatory and institutional frameworks should be in place and that in the DRC, they haven't been functioning well for some time, can you provide a little bit more detail? What are these uh, frameworks? And, and in what way have they been underperforming? According to uh, the laws and regulations of the DRC, uh, the state-owned enterprises come under the ministry that's in charge of uh, the uh, state portfolio uh, for the uh, administrative uh, uh, purview. And they also come under the Ministry of Mining for technical issues. But then also the Ministry of Finance works with the ministry in charge of uh, the portfolio in order to uh, audit externally uh, the, uh, all the uh, state-owned enterprises, including Jekamine. That's on paper, but in reality, uh, the, uh, the system works differently. Uh, oh. The management and uh, supervision of the mining sector is a very crowded area in terms of regulation and uh, policy making. The uh, president's office plays a domineering role in the appointment of uh, the uh, boards and uh, management of the companies. And there's a tendency, therefore, uh, among the uh, uh, leadership of the uh, state-owned enterprises to report to the president's office rather than to the ministries they come under. Hmm. And uh, this creates a, a serious problems in terms of accountability. And in the specific case of uh, Jekamine, this kind of uh, very crowded uh, regulatory uh, arrangement has uh, led to a lack of accountability on the part of uh, Jekamin in particular. Just to give you an example, for many, many years, Jekamin did not at all publish the financial statements, which by law they required to publish every year and submit to the ministry in charge of the state portfolio. But they didn't do it. And since uh, they came under the purview of the president's office, uh, nothing was done to uh, bring them to uh, do that. So uh, you've set a mouthful. So really what you're saying is that, sure, we have the laws, 
Uh, but if you have laws that you impose other extraordinary requirements that begin to, if you wish, blur the lines of responsibility, things can fall between the cracks, uh, which suggests then that it's not really enough to have laws. You, you then must not only have uh, proper systems that everybody respects, uh, but you need the establishment right from the top to respect the laws. But if the laws become subservient to political interest, then naturally uh, the best laws in the world will not save you. Let me ask you something else because you spoke earlier about uh, Jagamin having uh, 30 entities in which it partners with private investors to mine the minerals of uh, the DRC. Uh, but you also said that the company uh, has its own wholly owned, uh, if you wish, subsidiaries. So this sounds a little messy to me because then you have Jagamin uh, as a partner, Jagamin as uh, a competitor, and then Jagamin also owned by the entity that regulates both. How, how does this work on a day to day? What is your observation of how well or not well, uh, this you know, separation of responsibilities is carried out by the state? Uh, this uh, arrangement has led, as I said before, to a lack of uh, accountability. Uh, the uh, leadership of Jekamin uh, uh, is appointed in a very um, opaque uh, process, which, which complicates matters. Uh, usually uh, they are uh, appointed by uh, the president's office. Uh, uh, people just hear about the announcement of uh, the appointees, but uh, nobody knows which process was followed. So time and again, uh, people are appointed to these positions because of the uh, political affiliation, because of the kinds of relations they have uh, with uh, the executive. Uh, merit is not really uh, taken into account in most cases. So this creates an environment in which uh, requiring accountability becomes uh, very difficult. Hmm. Uh, so you've spoken about how part of the challenges that arise out of this uh, failure to separate responsibilities and clarify uh, the different functions of the different arms of the state uh, is problematic. So, I mean, in your experience, what ought to happen? Uh, how can we avoid this conflict at the same time allowing for a country like the DRC to still have a Jacqueline because uh, for most people that I've spoken with throughout uh, the continent or for that matter in different continents, the notion of a government not having equity is an unstarter. Most people think this is the right thing to do. So if it is the right thing to do, what is the right approach to avoid the kind of 
conflicts of interest that you speak of? Uh, an entity like Zekamin uh, doesn't operate in a void. One has to look at uh, the bigger picture in terms of governance. Uh, the enabling environment in which it operates is very important. If the environment in which it operates uh, is not led by uh, uh, governance uh, standards that can uh, assure that uh, the uh, institutions in terms of uh, in charge of the purview of the uh, mining sector can operate normally, it becomes very difficult to expect, if not impossible to expect, that the mining concerns like Zekamin would operate uh, normally according to uh, the standards that are expected of uh, a mining company. For things to change, uh, one has to fix the enabling environment at large, but also ensure that the leadership of uh, Jekamin and other state-owned enterprises is appointed in a transparent process which uh, privileges uh, merit over political relations, but also to empower those institutions that are uh, supposed to uh, monitor and evaluate the work of Jekamin uh, to give them the means to do the work properly. As we are speaking, uh, the uh, institutions that uh, could help uh, to have an external audit of the operations of Zekamin, uh, like the uh, uh, Court of Accounts, which is the uh, superior uh, audit institution in the country, does not have the means to do its work. But that's the institution that helps parliament to do its work. It does the investigations and the audits for uh, parliament. But in the case of the DRC, parliament is not in the picture at all. And for things to change, uh, parliament should have a say in what is done in the institution. You should have uh, a responsibility in terms of uh, overseeing the institution. So we need to have uh, checks and balances in place so that the executive alone does not uh, use Jekamin to their own means. And the political uh, interference in the operation of Jekamin should also stop. Uh, this should not be allowed to happen. And for this to happen, to not to happen, again, uh, the leadership of that 
institution should be appointed uh, irrespective of the political uh, links that the people have. They should really be independent, politically speaking. So you, you've said uh, quite a lot. So, I mean, I think it's worth putting things into perspective. Just to give an example that the DRC produces all of the world's, uh, about 60% of all of the world's cobalt and cobalt is now classified as uh, uh, a critical mineral from an energy transition perspective. Uh, the DRC is also a major producer of both bauxite, which makes aluminum, and uh, copper, which is used in all the wiring that is necessary for future vehicles and current ones. So it, it really is a big deal if, uh, to your point, uh, lawfulness does not prevail. So my reading tells me that we have in the DRC parliament a committee responsible for oversight of minerals and energy. Is it my reading that you're saying that these committees for all intents and purposes don't have a voice? How can that be? Yeah. Um, in the uh, upper house of uh, parliament, which is uh, the Senate, there's also a uh, committee that's in charge of uh, natural resources, including uh, mines. And you have a similar committee in the uh, House of, uh, in uh, the uh, National Assembly, which is the lower house of uh, parliament. But uh, these uh, committees uh, have not been allowed uh, to uh, have a say in uh, what happens in uh, the mining sector at all. Uh, from time to time, uh, they uh, carry out investigations, but uh, of no uh, major significance. But in terms of uh, uh, overseeing the uh, mining sector, they really have no say. And as I said, uh, this, uh, the parliament, uh, both houses uh, operate through the uh, court of accounts, which is under-resourced, which does not have the means nor the clout to play that role properly. You paint uh, a sad, uh and damning picture. And, and to be fair, I hope that you are wrong, even though as a Congolese, you should know better. So let me try and push you uh, from another angle. The DRC is and has been a, a member uh, of the EITI and has for as long as I can remember, um, had a multi-stakeholder, uh, engagement, arrangement between the private sector, civil society, and the government. For that matter, the DRC is also a member of the Kimberley process. How is it that, from your perspective, uh, that the DRC can acquire membership and have a voice in these 
otherwise respected fora and still not be able to use that to impact governance, accountability, and transparency within the sovereign state. What am I missing? EITI in the DRC has played a very laudable uh, role. Uh, they should be congratulated for that. It's through the work that uh, financial information is now available. It's through the work that uh, uh, Mining companies are now uh, producing information on the uh, financial statements. And uh, in their current uh, work plan, EITI is made the uh, reporting of uh, financial of uh, mining companies a priority. They want to play a role, major role in improving it. Uh, this is really something that needs uh, to be uh, encouraged. Uh, the EITI is a multi-stakeholder uh, body on which five government ministers sit. So it's a very, uh, it's a suitable venue for all these kinds of uh, questions to be uh, discussed. And I think they, uh, they've made an impact and a significant impact. And the work has uh, been recognized as being first rate. They've also played a role in uh, improving the uh, uh, transparency on uh, beneficial ownership of uh, mining companies. And uh, they are continuing to play that role. And I think they will make a difference. It's not a lost cause. As uh, you may think from uh, what I've said, there's certainly hope of uh, improving things if the uh, political will to do so uh, is there. It's in the country's interest and in the world interest because of uh, the importance that uh, cobalt and copper have acquired over the last few years for uh, these companies to work properly and for everybody to gain from it. So whenever I talk about the DRC, I see a very a strange twist of irony. So. If you think about uh, minerals today and transition to green energy, we are going into a space in which the geopolitics of access to minerals suggests that countries like the DRC will shape the world in one form or another. How, when you think about it, are the opportunities that this demand for these minerals that your countries well endowed with what opportunities does this demand give the DRC to be really not just a source, but a voice politically and economically on the world stage? Because 60% of the world's cobalt is not child's play. 
Yeah, um, figures have been put uh, higher than that, actually. 70% of uh, cobalt is now procured uh, from the DRC, and which gives the country a very important role to play. And uh, the country has realized, and this is where there's some hope, uh, has realized that uh, these minerals are not going to be there forever. And uh, also that uh, because of the uh, accusations that have been made with regard to envi environmental damage caused by uh, mineral exploitation, but also uh, human rights violations, uh, that there could be a risk of uh, uh, companies uh, procuring cobalt in other uh, jurisdictions when they uh, become available or for uh, the uses, uh, the uh, makers of uh, uh, batteries to look for alternatives to uh, cobalt because of the problems that are related to the exploitation of cobalt. So the country is very much aware of it. And uh, one of uh, the promising things that have been done uh, recently is to look at the uh, area where there are the most problems. That's the uh, artisanal uh, mining uh, sector and uh, to try to solve a lot of the problems that arise there uh, by uh, formalizing uh, the uh, sector and giving the uh, artisanal miners better working conditions and uh, better benefits from uh, the work. So this is uh, very promising and uh, when you consider that 15% uh, of uh, 15 to 20% of the cobalt that exported by the DRC come from the uh, uh, artisanal mining sector, you can feel the importance that uh, this has. Uh, the potential not only for uh, procuring uh, uh, providing uh, cobalt to the rest of the world, but also for improving the well-being of uh, the Congolese people by providing work, but also by uh, improving the environment. And um, I sense that the government has uh, uh, taken this seriously and are taking measures to do uh, just that. And the That's last move that they've uh, uh, made in uh, that regard is the creation under the purview of Jekamine of a uh, subsidiary that would uh, uh, specialize in uh, working with the artisanal mining sector. So you, you, I want to take you back as a, a, a last, uh perhaps uh, part of our discussion. 
to the role that the EITI has played in helping uh, infuse governance and through transparency and disclosure of not just financial uh, statements, but also of beneficial owners. So we know uh, who the figures are behind the investments and the, the enjoyment of revenue. But EITI works with government and presumes a certain functionality. Um, so I wanted to ask you, if we didn't have the EITI, let's assume there are no third parties, there are no international NGOs, there's no international NGOs campaigning against uh, illicit trade, there's no international NGOs uh, ensuring what is now called responsible sourcing. If we take out these elements out of the equation, what, is, what do you see, what is left in terms of the architecture of uh, governance around minerals in the DRC? Uh, it's not only international NGOs that uh, advocate the improvement of uh, the mining sector, the governance of the mining sector in the DRC. Congolese NGOs, local NGOs have been very, very active and uh, have also had quite an impact in uh, not only raising issues about governance, but also making recommendations on uh, what should happen. They played a very important role in uh, the revision of uh, the uh, mining uh, code uh, in the DRC that was finalized in 2018. And a lot of the recommendations they made were actually uh, uh, found a way into the final uh, version of the, uh, the uh, uh, mining code. So um, besides the official uh, sector, uh, the uh, civil society in the DRC is playing a very important role here. And they've linked up sometimes with uh, international NGOs, but of and of themselves, they've developed uh, capacity to work on the sector. And uh, it's quite impressive. Uh, the work that they've been doing so, so far has been very, very impressive. Yeah, so that's very good because I think um, uh, it's important that the voice of civil society in any country be laid from within and that uh, international friends and supporters material or otherwise really are taking the lead uh, from uh, local uh, NGOs. Uh, my sense is that uh, though there may be problems, things aren't really as bad as it may appear that perhaps the DRC is suffering from a brand image gone wrong uh, and uh, historical issues that paint a somewhat dire picture than is realistic. Uh, under the circumstances, because if you have the EITI doing as good a job as you suggest, 
albeit not perfect, having four members of cabinet uh, on the multi-stakeholder, but also having a civil society that is active and able to impact pieces of legislation. That's not so bad, is it? And so why do we not hear much about these elements? Why, when we talk about the DSC, do we only think of uh, the less reputationally uh, you know, positive aspect? You know, it, it, there must be some accountability if government is willing to listen and amend laws. There must be uh, some acceptance of uh, public voice. Uh, and these are the corner poles of uh, governance, aren't they, uh, Musong? There's certainly hope, as I've already said. Uh, not everything is doom and gloom. Uh, I can see uh, hope for the country with the realization that uh, this is one in a lifetime opportunity for the DRC to make or break. Because again, as I said, uh, the demand for cobalt is not, to be, is not going to be there forever. Uh, God knows what's going to happen if uh, alternatives are found to it. And uh, if other jurisdictions also find uh, promising deposits of the mineral. So uh, it's not all doom and gloom, but uh, our criticism is at the level of the hope that we have for the country, uh, for it to seize this opportunity and uh, not to miss it. So that uh, uh, the uh, climate change that is, uh, brought some challenges, serious challenges uh, to the whole world uh, could be addressed with resources coming from uh, the DRC. And that uh, the move that uh, the whole world is going to make to address uh, these uh, challenges should not be done at the expense of the, the DRC but that the DRC should also get something out of it, should that, benefit from it. That's fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time, Song. Uh, that was very insightful. And I certainly wish you and your countrymen well. Thank you for joining the Sheila Come Extracted podcast. Thank you very much, Sheila. <laughs>